like that's why I try to jam in all my um, physical activity like into the my work time as well so that like by the time the end of my work day comes I'm not I'm physically satisfied with like what I've accomplished and also I've, I've gotten work out of the way so then I I just go home and then I'm like full dad mode Graham Dexter is a chemistry lab technician who manages to fit all of his me time into his working day. This way, he arrives home feeling satisfied with his day and is able to spend the rest of his evening on day-to-day chores, but more importantly, with his family. Keep listening to hear more about how he balances everything and fits it all into a day and his recent mishap while climbing at Cape Clear. My name's Alex McLean, and welcome to the 41st Hour. Um... Cool, so I'm here with Graham Dexter. Uh, we were just chatting and we actually don't know each other very well, so it'd be... Uh... Barely at all. <laughs> seen each other once, right? <laughs> yeah, once or twice. I think one time you were on a boat and the other time at oh, the climbing yeah. gym. Yeah. yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Just a random yeah. climbing community <laughs> run-in. But, uh, so we're here in his lab slash office. Um, so can you talk a bit, little bit about what you do for work? Yeah, so I'm a chemistry lab technician. That would be my title. It sounds more exciting than it is, I think. Um, it's just a simple like support position uh, within the chemistry department. And so I like provide consumables like glassware and gloves mm-hmm. and things for all the research labs. Okay. And then uh, actually I have quite a few other parts of my job. Um, I uh, prepare all the chemicals for the undergrad labs. So okay. like second year organic. Uh, and first year uh, lab, which has over a thousand students, mm-hmm. I prepare all the reagents that they use, and I like set up all the experiments, and I uh, have to make sure that they work for I before I put them out. Yeah. Um, and then I also have to make embalming fluid for the campus mortician. <laughs> so like yeah, just like a lot of the the chemi- chemistry related things within the university will get diverted here. Okay. So I also. Um, and just starting another thing where I have to make dry ice as well. That sounds cool. Which is like, it does sound cool, right? But it's actually quite simple. It's just like a wooden box uh, and you hook up a CO2 tank. Okay. And just like blow the CO2 into the wooden box and it's like sealed, but you can see it like kind of seeping out of the sides and as it blows in there, it just like creates the solid cube. It takes okay. like two minutes to make one kilogram. Cool. Yeah. Have you used it for anything fun? Uh, strictly work. No, like strictly work. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe, you can tell me off. Yeah. off <laughs> yeah. So you said you have to test all of them before you distribute them to the classes. How do you go about doing that? So like, I literally would just do the experiment that they're gonna do. Oh, okay. So like, I'll like make the reagents. Like for example, there's a a TLC experiment where I have to make five different standards, and they like spot them on a TLC plate, which is thin layer chromatography. Okay. Um, and that. <clears throat> they'll like develop the plate by running a solvent from the bottom to the top solvent carries like the components of the mixtures mm-hmm. up like certain distances up the plate and uh so i would i would like make the solutions spot a plate mm-hmm. develop them and see if it like actually worked make okay. sure the solutions aren't degraded or anything like that yeah and like if i can pick out the individual dots then that's very good, go. good to go have you ever had uh, an experiment go wrong while you're testing it not while I'm testing it, but I've had it go wrong, like, actually in the lab, like, oh, when really? they were doing it. But it's almost always not my fault, I hope. Almost always not. <laughs> almost always not, maybe. <laughs> yeah, usually it has something to do with contamination. So, like, maybe a student, uh, like, put a pipette in a solution, but then also put it in another solution gotcha. without 
you know, either disposing of it or, or cleaning it. Yeah. So if they have a contaminated solution, then that would be a big problem. And yeah. That would be brought to me, and then I would just like discard that and create a, or make a new one. Okay. Yeah. And do you have to isolate the problem? Like, do you have to find the source, or you just no? Usually, the they, they've got it figured they out. Figure so out, like, yeah. I'm not really in the teaching role. I'm like, I make all the solutions and stuff and put it out for them. Yeah. But then they've got like instructors and TAs that are actually like teaching the labs. Okay. So they would be running the experiments with them, and they would see the problem, bring it to me. Okay. Yeah. And so. To get a little more into the details, what does an average day at work look like for you? You can start yeah. as early as you want. Like, yeah, for I could, I'll just uh, start, like, <laughs> tell you my day. I've actually got it, like, it's very routine, and it's, like, almost the same every day. Okay. It depends on, like, also if I have my daughter, so I have split custody with my daughter. Um, so, like, on the times that I have my daughter, I'll wake up and uh, drive her to school, mm-hmm. and then I get back home, and then I bike to work. I'm always biking to work. I always leave the car at home for, for my partner, and uh, my son Fox. Uh, so yeah, I'll uh, drive to, but sorry, bike to work, and uh, get here around eight thirty. And when I get here, I'll usually like, maybe eat an apple or something, and like throw down some mobility stuff on a yoga mat, like just like ten minutes, like when I get here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll dive into work, go into the lab. Uh, set up the experiment for the day and make sure they have all their consumables and stuff figured out and then like around 10 30 i'll eat like a big meal like really quickly because like i'm still within my work time but i'll have like break time yeah and i like to eat not first thing in the morning <laughs> and not like too close to lunchtime because lunchtime is when i when i go climbing okay so and i don't want to eat like right when i climb yeah. i don't know if you're how you feel about eating and climbing but like i find uh... it can weigh you down like heavily sometimes i don't think i put that much detail into my climbing (laughs) i just fit everything in when i can (laughs) so usually when i get home after work the first thing i do is i eat because i'm I'm pretty hungry and then if i'm climbing like if i have something later in the evening i'll go climbing right away and if not i'll go climbing later if i'm running it's different Mm. um because i do find that running on a full stomach makes a difference and it'd be interesting just that you mentioned it to see if it differs between bouldering and rope climbing just because the different um amount of time you're on the wall at once yeah because um, i think rope climbing would be more similar to climbing mm. or sorry to running right um but again that also varies with the intensity of the running so like yeah. back in high school i would eat three hours before a basketball game but a basketball game is like sprint sprint, sprint oh my sprint. gosh yeah you're just <laughs> giving her heart, yeah right? whereas now if i'm going for like a long run a slower pace i can eat like an hour yeah half hour would be pushing it but yeah yeah so i'm like when I boulder, I try to like go as hard as I can. So it's almost like a run in a way yeah. where I'm just like I'm climbing problems like as much as possible mm-hmm. because I'm trying to fit it within the time frame that I have. Yeah, make most of your time. Yeah. So like ten thirty I'll eat and then like I'm doing finishing up the rest of the work that I have that before lunch. And then my lunch is like the most it's me time. And it's like the only time during the day that's actually just for me. Mm-hmm. Um because like I'm at home I'm also looking after the kids and like I'm with my partner and doing that kind of thing. So I like place a lot of importance on this time. So I'll, I'll bike to the gym. And, uh, like I said, I just like boulder as hard as I can to the point where I'm like dropping sweat. <laughs> like I'm just like, by the end of it, I'm like gassed and probably couldn't climb anymore. Yeah. So I'm just like giving her on the wall. And, uh, then I come back and usually the experiment is running in the afternoon. So I'm just like kind of supervising that behind the scenes mm-hmm. and like doing the other odds and ends around the lab. Okay. And then, yeah, then it's off home. 
and then you're you're done like you're done work you've done your you time so then it's just time to kind of relax and, and spend time with the family yeah 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 exactly come home and then focus completely on family like uh if it's like dishes or playing with the kids or um getting them ready for bed bath time all that stuff. yeah it's yeah. just like very involved <laughs> yeah 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 it must be nice to like get everything like when i finish work First of all, I don't have a family, so <laughs> we'll get that away. <laughs> but like, I finish work and like I gotta do like you said, dishes, laundry, go out for a run, make food, do dishes from the, like making food. Um, but yeah, I can see how it'd be nice to kind of get your you time out of the way with, because I guess what I'm saying is personally, sometimes it's hard to find that you time mm. when you haven't you haven't done it, prioritize it. Um, one thing you mentioned before we started is that you climb Monday, Friday, Monday to Friday. Um, yeah. And you also say you climb really hard. How do you find climbing hard five days in a row uh, affects your performance? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> and uh, I've actually put a lot of thought into this too. So when I first started doing five days in a row by like Thursday and Friday, I'm like, my joints are screaming yeah. at me. It's like, man, you can't keep doing this. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, stop. Um, so then I kind of worked it into my schedule that on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would climb. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I wouldn't touch the wall, okay. but I would go to the gym and like work on anything else that I could, and I would include hangboard gotcha. in that too. So, um, but like it would be mostly like body weight mobility routines mm-hmm. kind of thing, like pull ups and like yoga poses and things like that. But like more active type stretching. Yeah. I don't like passively sitting in a stretch. I feel like that's a waste of time. Okay. But like when I stretch, I'm like taking an active position in it. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So five days in a row climbing was not doable but like i've actually gotten to the point that it is doable now okay but like so like through the routine of doing the monday wednesday friday with the tuesday thursday break i like i don't know just like it was a really good routine for me to develop strength and and i got stronger and like more durable and then i i noticed that i reached a plateau Mm -hmm. everyone reaches their plateaus when they don't change anything right yeah so i i reached the plateau of that and then i was like okay i think now i should just climb five days in a row to break through that plateau. yeah like to break through the plateau and like the plateau is my climbing ability that's like how i'm measuring it i mm-hmm. guess like can i climb harder problems or i'm just climbing the same things over and over again yeah. and uh yeah so i plateaued so i went into the five days in a row but this time i like tried to add mobility and like warm-ups like make them really important before climbing so like in the morning like i said i do a like mobility routine and uh before climbing i like warm up my my uh what are they called they're extensors and flexors in your in your hands right okay yeah. like i'll definitely warm those up and uh like the shoulders and the elbows and things like that everything like gets warm before i'm like really pulling hard mm-hmm. yeah and so I, i'm assuming that's to prevent injury yes so that- did you have an experience that uh like an oh shit experience where you're like oh shit I should warm up before I climb <laughs> and how did you manage that if it did happen yeah so I guess what like when I started climbing I've, I've only been climbing for four years okay um and like during those four years there was also that time COVID like, yeah where no one was doing anything um so like more like three and a half years but um when I first started my elbows were always on fire like yeah. tendonitis and uh I t- talked to Heather Reynolds a lot mm. at the at the rock court and she was like creams and like she gave me all these like warm-ups exercises all these things like nothing was ever working it was just like elbows always on fire and it was like stopping me from climbing um but i just like eventually powered through that 
and now like I'm at a point where like it doesn't bother me but I can get I can still get to that place where like the tendonitis kicks in mm-hmm. um, how do we get on this tangent uh, an oh shit moment <laughs> yes the yeah. oh shit moment so uh, <laughs> my most recent oh shit moment would be um, I was like hanging with friends at a party and we started arm wrestling and uh, this like pushed my elbows over the brink Okay. and like I went tried to go climbing the next day and I couldn't even climb for like 10 minutes and then like for like the next two weeks afterward I had to go to physio mm-hmm. and like figure some exercises out and figure out my elbows so that I could actually get them back again yeah and it's like wow so I'm like almost always teetering on the edge of like if you do something more than what you already do you're gonna like destroy yourself yeah. <laughs> and I'm like finding that edge <laughs> so how did you manage your lunchtime when you couldn't climb it sounds like that's your go-to it's your you time yeah it's what you do every day it's like a have to <laughs> almost yeah so uh if i can't climb i just ride my bike okay um i have um distance goals for riding my bike as well like my bike cycling and climbing are like the most important things to me mm-hmm. besides like my actual life yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah i'll just like ride my bike or or do yoga or mm-hmm. something just like do i can't do nothing is what i yeah, Wait. hard time sitting still. <laughs> yeah. I can relate. Yeah. yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about your distance goals and your biking? Yeah, so I've been cycling since I was 16, and I'm 33 now. Okay. So, like, I've, I didn't want to ask. But yeah. I... <laughs> yeah, 33. Um, so I've been biking for well over 15 years, and uh, I've this, I don't even know how to explain, like, the joy that I get from mm-hmm. biking, just being on a bike, right? It's the greatest thing ever you're just flying and it's on your own power yeah and it's great um so i started mountain biking and then i got into road biking like way later down the road i used to think road biking was for nerds or whatever <laughs> like that who does that like dresses like in really tight clothes and like gets right down and it's ripping no but then i realized the like the advantage of being on on the road on the bike like you can get anywhere so fast yeah and like the more endurance you have, the more you can do. I often think about doing, like, um, a side delivery job if I had the time. Uh, like, skip the dishes or whatever. Yeah. And just, like, ride my bike everywhere and just, like, like get the distance. Um, but, yeah, I just, I love riding bikes. And uh, my distance goals have developed from, it used to be try to get 10 kilometers a day, every day for a year. That mm-hmm. was, like, my first, like, cycling goal and that was last year and i actually did manage that so that's like three thousand six hundred fifty yeah. kilometers in the year and i tracked this with strava yeah um and uh so this year my cycling goal was to bike 400 kilometers every month for the year okay um and maybe possibly try to average 100 kilometers a week um but that that was hard to do the 100 okay. kilometers a week but i have actually we're into october now right yeah. yeah, and uh, I every month up to now has been 400 kilometers. 400. And I'm like, I just went cycling before you came here to like pack on the kilometers for the end of this month, and yeah. I'm, I'm just getting over 400 okay. for October now. And so last year, and I guess it applies to this year too, but this year is more of a month chunk versus a day chunk. Did you ever miss a day and you make it up, or were you doing 10 kilometers every day no matter what? Yeah, I, I tried to do it every day, but like... I don't get out on the weekends as much because, like, I'll be home with the kids almost all day. Sometimes mm-hmm. my partner works a lot on the weekend. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I uh, what I try to do is just pack more kilometers into the five days a week, the, gotcha. the, the work week, because that's, like, my, I cycle to work and I bike home. Yeah. And if I need more distance, I'll just, like, take a, a wider route. 
home. Home anyway, something. okay. Yeah, yeah so and you're just making it a standard part of your day. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's just worked into my day. And also biking to the gym and back too. Like, I bike to Gottagen from here, which is like nothing, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but Tuesday, Thursday, I bike to Bears Lake and my lunch break uh, okay. and climb there. Yeah. And so that, that like adds up the distance per week like super quickly. Yeah. So Bears Lake would be like 15 ish kilometers versus like three for Gottagen round trip. Yeah. 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 Okay. It'd be a lot more. And so, like, the days that I bike to Bears Lake, I'm getting like 30 per day. Yeah. Maybe 33 or something like that. And then the days that I'm biking to Gottage, it's anywhere between like 18 and 25. Okay. Yeah. And you said you're just barely hitting your 400 kilometers. A yeah, month? I'm, ju- I'm just okay. getting there. So, like, just trying to do some quick math. And I feel like <laughs> you'd be more than that. Yeah. It's, uh, so if you think about it, like, I'm only getting 20 days in a month maybe because i'm only uh, doing five days okay. a week and i'm not doing the weekends gotcha so that kind of that's it that works out okay yeah um and some days i'm not cycling if like my partner picks me up from work because i'm like drop her off at work right after my work kind of thing yeah. so sometimes that chops off the time um or if i have to do like the straight bike from home to here and i only get to do that it only ends up being like 13 kilometers or okay something like that yeah yeah um, so that's your biking goals. Can you talk a little bit about your climbing goals and mm. then how you choose between the two activities? Yeah. Um, if you're falling short in one aspect of, of your goals. Yeah. So I think climbing mostly trumps cycling in every way. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm falling behind on the cycling goal, I will like take time, like maybe on a Saturday morning, like before the kids get up, I'll just like hop on my bike and add 10 kilometers to my distance if I need yeah. to. Um, but for like climbing is like my ultimate goal, always trying to climb. And like my, real goal is to be able to climb hard things but i've realized how hard that really is like climbing 510 is like okay i can do 510 but then when you start touching 511 you're like holy cow this is hard yeah and i like can't <laughs> i'm barely sending anything in the 511 range right now mm-hmm. and like i've been like climbing outdoors for like two years and it's like wow how do you get to the harder climbs right yeah yeah so how do you quantify climbing something hard because that's something that i've said before or not necessarily said that but realize that there's always going to be something hard regardless of how much you train and how much effort you put in like there's always one like a next level up you could do yeah um, so do you have like defined i get what you're saying or? yeah 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 i so hard is, is definitely subjective mm-hmm. like any one person will say one thing is harder than the other so me saying like 510 is like doable and whatever that's definitely not going to be the same for everyone mm-hmm. but like for my scale of difficulty i just i just take my own personal view on it yeah and like i don't i'm trying to enforce that on other people no, no, right for sure. yeah but like my personal view is like i um when i first started climbing outside i was like oh i can climb any five nine mm-hmm. like that's cool and then when i get to five ten i find the c's and d's hards and i can usually flash the, the a's and b's right mm-hmm. um so that that's that's like where i sit like, I'll see, like, okay, I'm that good. And then I'll look for the, the like, next step. Yeah. So the next step is, like, getting to the 511 range. And, like, I've been on um, maybe, like, four or five 511As, and I've sent one. Okay. And uh, I've been on 11Cs that have felt easier than 11As. Grades are also subjective. <laughs> yes, Just exactly, like right? How, like, the word hard is subjective. Grades are also yeah. so subjective. Yeah, super that. subjective. So, yeah, I'm just trying to get into the 511 realm mm-hmm. and, like, try to climb as much as that as I can. But the goal is to be able to climb hard enough to send a project that me and my climbing partner have found okay that like has never been done by anybody as we know to uh, date okay. so is that top secret or can you talk a little bit so about i it? can definitely talk about this i figured this would be something more interesting than like my work life and things like that <laughs> but 
Um, so this project is it's actually a deep water solo project. Okay. So like, can you explain a little bit about what that is for yeah. people who don't know? Deep water yeah. soloing is a type of climbing where you're just yourself on the wall, no gear. Like you have shoes and maybe shorts on, and that's it. Um, you take a chalk bag with you if you want, but you're just gonna have minimal chalk because once you hit the water. All that chalk is gone. Yeah. So it's climbing above water. Just climbing, for Oh, yes. Doesn't. And yeah. yes, it's on a rock wall that is above deep water, that it's deep enough that if you fall, um, you're not going to hurt yourself, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, you can hit the water in a weird way, but there shouldn't be anything underneath you that you're going like, to crash into. Mm-hmm. So the idea is to find the highest ones, obviously. Um, but uh, in Nova Scotia, it's actually quite rare. To like, find a tall one? Yeah. Or to find them at all. Okay. Like, I, like, I've been looking for them for a while now, or like, with a few folks, actually, and, like, I can probably count on my fingers and toes, like, how many <laughs> there actually are. Okay, you'd like, think there'd be more, just... Oh, man, like, Nova Scotia coastline is massive, but, like, the thing about it is, I guess, because of super high tides and, like, the, the geology of it, um, a lot of it is, like, eroding all the time. Oh, okay. So it's all loose. Yeah. Like, you might have these massive cliffs, like, like at Cape Split. Mm-hmm. Like, no one wants to climb that because it's just going to fall apart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It sounds dangerous. Though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So to find the, like, hard, sheer, solid rock above, like, deep water. Okay. And, like, a straight drop. No, like, debris. No fall, rock fall underneath I know, like, you. boulders in the water and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, this project. Um, I'm not going to disclose the location of it. <laughs> yeah, but it's on, an, it's on an <laughs> island. Um, and uh, it's... I can't exactly I want to say it's like 10 meters or something like that's like okay. the biggest we've found yeah. 10 meters um, and we've like placed a gear anchor with cams mm-hmm. and rappelled down it and like we, we just like looked at it and like tried to find the holes and stuff and what we we did find that we could do moves in isolation but to try to tie the moves together is so grueling okay. like it's hard but I, we know that it's possible because you can do each move yeah. like, isolated so then it's like, okay, now I want to be strong enough to be able to climb that. Mm-hmm. But it feels like, based on my um, observation of grades, it's probably like 512D. Okay. 512 plus. Okay. Like, it's definitely, like, in the harder 512 range. Yeah. And uh, so now, like, my, my goal is to be able to climb that hard so I can go to that project and, and, and get send it. Done. it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is climbing 511 is, like, an intermediate goal to get to that? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. just kind of trying to take the steps, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. at the gym, I, I kind of follow the color codes, too. I know they are also very subjective and broad, but, like, I'll climb greens before I climb blues. And yeah. climb purples before I climb reds and things like that. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so that is, yeah. Go ahead. It, that is the intermediate goal, right? Like, to climb the 511s before the 512s. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it about deep water soloing? It sounds like that is your priority when it comes to climbing versus say rope climbing or bouldering what is it about deep water soling that draws you to it yeah so it combines like um so many things that i love about the world in general like being on the water mm-hmm. um being at a like um a visually like spectacular place too like if you see a cliff jutting out of the water like a straight drop it's honestly probably a beautiful place yeah right and so you get to like be on a boat or like paddle or whatever and, and be on the water and then you're like in this magnificent place and you're just like you're really in it it feels like you're more in it than when you're on ropes like okay. you're like just wearing like minimal clothing your shoes and you've got this like tiny chalk bag and you're on this wall and that's that's all there is there's waves crashing under you 
um, there's just this like problem in front of you. Can I get to the top of it or am I going for a swim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot simpler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can do it by yourself. Probably not recommended, mm. but like you can go do it like individually. You don't need someone delaying you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's you true. You probably should have a spotter, honestly. Like someone there, like you're falling into the water. Yeah, yeah, but, just in case. But you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so back to the, the work side of things, mm. coming coming full circle. Coming full circle. Um, one thing you said is that you help out with the, uh, the preparation for labs and stuff for the school. Um, do you ever find it gets repetitive or you get bored just thinking about like year after year the same classes are offered mm. do you fall into a cycle or how do you uh get out of that if you do fall into uh some repetition that's a great question um i and i like so i've been here for seven years mm-hmm. um so i've had a lot of time to think like about how repetitive this job is and it's also a secure job like i could be here for 40 years if i wanted to i could retire from here yeah totally um but it is yeah the same thing over and over again so when the, after like three years of working in this job i actually like was like i can't do this anymore oh really i like i don't want to be here anymore i'm not finding that it's fulfilling like i i need something more in my life that was before i climbed actually <laughs> no <laughs> just a, a note um so i i like kind of put feelers out to see like what else i could do mm-hmm. and it um nothing ever really came up that I wanted to do or like that excited me. And I just kind of like sat in the job that I'm in and like tried to take a different approach on it. Like maybe I should appreciate like the stability that I have Mm -hmm. and like the routine that I'm able to build around this. Like having been in this job for seven years, I've been able to, like I can optimize my time so well. Yeah. Like I know exactly what I need to do and I know exactly when I have five minutes to myself or 10 minutes to myself and I can just, I can, um, really like make it efficient mm-hmm. and I guess I really enjoy that. So, uh, yeah, I've kind of come around to more appreciating this than, than it being like a dull thing. Yeah. And like, it can get exciting here sometimes, like things do change. There are different experiments introduced sometimes or... Um, something that excites me is when they take out an experiment I don't like, <laughs> like that's a great thing, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, and also like the, the workplace is kind of changing. Like I do make embalming fluid that, that was added on like much later okay. and like, it's actually kind of interesting, interesting. It's a very like industrial chemistry type thing. So I just get like a massive 200 liter drum and I fill it with 118 liters of ethanol and then like six liters of phenol and six liters formaldehyde and just mix all these like reagents dangerous reagents together in this giant drum it's like the witch over the the (laughs) stew kind of thing yeah (laughs) Yeah, the cauldron (laughs) and uh yeah it's just like kind of fun to think that i'm doing that Mm -hmm. and it's like like it's a it's an applicable chemistry too like it's kind of simple it's just mixing things but like it's it's going towards a purpose yeah embalming an actual human Human. body (laughs) wow (laughs) it's interesting to think about yeah um and uh yeah like the this dry ice thing that i was talking about were we talking about this yeah Uh, i think so yeah yeah how like um, we're we just ordered this like little wooden box that you just blow dry dry co2 into and then it just like builds up this block of dry ice so we're just going to be manufacturing dry ice for the the classroom or yeah so like it has a lot of um applications in the classroom but okay. also in the research labs too you get oh, requests okay. for yeah. dry ice i actually have some 
in the bin right now because oh, cool. we like order it for them specifically. Gotcha. Yeah. So it sounds like you you change your mindset, not necessarily any physical aspects of the job. Yeah. No, I, I didn't like change anything other than just like how I viewed it. Yeah. Like I should like kind of like how you view the world too right like you can view it in a positive light or a negative light and mm. if you view it in a negative light you're going to take the negative from it from it yeah but yeah if you view it in a positive light you're going to get positive back yeah yeah no, that makes sense yeah. would you if you could change something about the job or if you could i don't know if you can put a request in or whatever what would mm. you uh what would you change what would i change so this um the spot that i'm in right now this is like where i sit at my desk and it's also a storefront so we like open this and like people come down and like pick up supplies and things like that. Okay. And I, <laughs> it actually makes it hard to get work done sometimes. Oh yeah, I'd imagine. Like I'll like get up and try and go into the lab and, um, and like someone will come down and need something. So then I'm running back to the store and trying to get them taken care of. Yeah. So I, I would change that aspect. Like I would have someone here constantly that is like just responsible for the storefront. And that and would then, allow you to dive into what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. Like, really. And I, my office wouldn't be sitting like literally at the door of the storefront. <laughs> like I would have my own office where I would go in and sit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so we've talked a little bit about, about your, your outdoor recreational hobbies and a little bit about your work. Do you find there are any similarities between the two or are they completely different? Yeah. Drastic. When you, uh, sent me that, that question, I looked at that and I was like, I really can't think of any <laughs> like relation to one and the other and I have been thinking of it since like that question was brought up to me and like the only thing that maybe comes up is like how I think efficiency wise so like at my in my job I'm like trying to make things happen as efficiently as possible and yeah. as quickly as possible um, and I do that like almost in every aspect of my life I guess okay. like, I try to just make everything work efficiently I guess an example like outside of work for, of that for me would be um, I have this boat um, that's co-owned with like three other guys, but we just, Oh, okay. I yeah. Didn't know that. I, I had a boat. I, I like to call it my boat. I use it the most and I will probably <laughs> refer to it as my boat <laughs> throughout the rest of this conversation. But, uh, yeah. So I've like, when you take the boat out, you have to put the trailer on the car and then drive to the ramp and then like launch the boat and then pull the boat out. And like all of the logistics of that are actually like very involved and it can take a lot of time if you don't have a, like, plan on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So, like, this summer, like, launching the boat, like, many, many, many times, I, like, have made that process super efficient. Like, I drive right up to the ramp, uh, put the plug in, and then put the key in, lower the motor, and then back up. And, like, I have my uh, SUV set up so that the middle seat would be down, and I'd have the trunk open. So, like, I could back the boat into the water and then crawl through my car and just, like, wench it out uh, into the water and jump onto the boat yeah. tie to the dock come back to the car and drive it out gotcha. so i have like this super efficient system where like i can launch the boat in like record time <laughs> and also get it out of the water like super quickly yeah. so yeah and how does that efficiency translate to your climbing climbing so i try i i don't think of climbing uh under that light a lot i think about maybe like um my ability to get to a crag or like to go to the gym in yeah. that kind of light as, as efficiently as possible but when i'm climbing I'm not thinking of efficiency. I'm more like, like trying to get stronger or like, you know, solve the problem. I yeah. really dive into like the uh, mechanics of the climbing itself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so just going through this conversation, to me, it sounds like 
you got a pretty work good work life balance. Like you come to work, you bike to work, you get your fitness in, you have your lunch to yourself, and then you go home, you spend time with family. Is there anything you think you could add that would improve the work life balance? But again, like mm. you said, you've been doing this for seven years. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good question. Yeah. Like I don't think if I if I can add it, I feel like I would have found it by now. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> But um, maybe that's me being like close-minded. Maybe I should think about that more. It's a it's a mm-hmm. question to dwell on. Okay. I'd say, yeah. Do you think you'd ever pick up any other hobbies that would add to the complexity of the work-life balance? Mm. I thought about surfing. Okay. I thought about picking up surfing, and like the only thing about that one, it feels like it takes even more time. Yeah. Like driving to the waves and also learning like all of that, <laughs> like how to like read the wave things and all of that. Right. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, it's a whole other, like, it's a, uh, you have to invest the time in to, not to make it enjoyable, but to, to be proficient at it. Yeah. And, like, it's a question of whether you want to invest that time in that or something that you're already doing, like climbing or biking. Yeah. I find. Yeah. I also find, as somebody else who tends to do a lot of hobbies, the more hobbies you pick up, the less time you commit to them, and, like, the less oh, use you get yeah. out of your gear. Yeah. Which means it lasts longer, but it's also, like, financially, it's kind of a, <laughs> a question Yeah, for me. But I've been thinking about picking up skiing lately, so kind of... I've also thought of that, too, and I feel like that's, like, not... There's not a financial barrier there, like, not quite as much. Because, like, I've found a couple of skis on, on Facebook and been like, oh, oh really? Should I, should I buy them? I should buy those? <laughs> no, but I don't know if I ski enough to justify this purchase, you know? So. Oh, I don't ski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, I want to learn. So Are I you, like, buy. interested in downhill or cross-country? Like, what's... I don't... I prefer cross-country skis. Oh, okay. So I've been thinking about downhill and, like, lately it's more backcountry. Oh, um, yeah. At least here in the province. Like, I definitely don't have the skills required to go backcountry in the mountains. Um, though, those are attainable. You just have to take some courses and work your way up and don't just dive right in mm. um so my latest thoughts have been do i buy downhill skis which i can strap to a backpack and hike up or touring skis which mm. you can like skin up and then ski um, down right yeah interesting um i think the price point is the biggest thing but again like is it worth having touring skis in nova scotia or, so anyways <laughs> yeah. i have some some thinking to do questions yeah so another like speaking of financial barriers and things though i've also been like really interested in trad just mm. lately trad climbing um i i used to think that any route that i wanted to do would either be like a dws or maybe i could like make a tree anchor and top rope it and i would be happy to climb it that way yeah um but recently when i was at cape clear um we went down to second tier which is like have you seen Cape Clear? I'm sure, sure you have, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Second tier, I don't know where that is, though. I know, so, like, the wave wall. You, you got the head wall, right? Yeah. Right up at the top, you can park there. And then, like, you got the wave wall down to the right. Yeah. If you're facing it, climbers, right? Um, and then to the left, there's, like, these, like, cliffs, like, spaced out. Yeah, like, okay. first tier, second tier, third tier. And uh, also the wing wall. Okay. And those, they feel, like, so unreachable because they're, like, to hike to them, you have to, like, go down these, like, really steep gullies. And, like, navigate around each tier to, like, get to, like, the base of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we were out there, and it was, like, kind of kind of rainy. And we weren't going to get any climbing in. But we were, like, what can we do to make, like, um, use this time well? Yeah. And we were, like, let's find second tier. Because it looks like there's some very cool trad climbs on second tier. Uh, okay. Already um, established? Already established. Okay. So we went down there. 
to to look for it and like we got very lost before we found <laughs> it but like we got in a roundabout way we ended up at second tier and so i was sitting on the point of first tier looking at second tier and the climb goes up the prow okay. which is like so it's like kind of like an incline the whole way yeah and it's like five eight five nine looks interesting for sure um but then like when you're looking at the face of second tier there's this crack that like juts all the way up the middle of it but like kind of up into the right okay and it's not an established climb uh, and the only way the to do person it, about this no no i i want anybody to do this i'm sure people have looked at it and thought about this yeah. and like this isn't something that i want to be like my own private project because this is like an already established area okay but yeah maybe you call it ride the lightning if you sent it because it kind of looks like a lightning uh, bolt that goes okay. through this rock <laughs> anyway I, I'm like, I just realized, like, I want to climb this, and the only way to, to be able to climb this is to learn how to climb track. Yeah. And, like, you have to lead track, climb this. Mm-hmm. It's the only way. There's no trees at the top. You might find a block anchor, but, like, the nature of the crack, the way that it's, like, up and to the right, it's kind of a traverse. Yeah. You don't want to be trying to top rope it because you're yeah, just going to just go for a swing. Yeah. yeah. And the rock is sharp up there. So, uh, yeah. So now I, I'm automatically, all of a sudden, I just have this, like, interest in climbing track. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, like, thinking about buying the gear doing all that yeah it's fun i really enjoy it i find it's more creative and kind of problem solving personally and um it's interesting to see different people climb the same climb as well Mm. Mm. um going back to grades being subjective i find particularly crack climbing is much more subjective because what might be a good hand jam for me as somebody who's like six one would be maybe a baggy hand or even a fist jam for somebody who's like five six right yeah um i did have another point uh, <laughs> the creativeness creative. of the climb uh different people climbing the same thing oh i was just gonna say that um that doesn't happen as often in sport climbing unless you find like a, a secret hold or something right it's like there's a hold here if you can't hold it like everybody's gonna crimp the same same way you might be able yeah. to get more of a pad on or something totally. if you have smaller hands but yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of the, the track climbing. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite trad route? I know, that sounds like a tough uh, question. A tough one. <laughs> Off the top of my head. Uh, what have I climbed? I want to say Stormtrooper. I haven't sent it yet at... Oh, my um, God. I've been on Stormtrooper. I have. Crow's Nest. Yeah, I tried to top rope it like a fool. <laughs> I think it's so cool because you start in the roof and you pull the roof and then it winds up so you can't really like get a jam in and you got to figure it out. Yeah. Um, what else have I done? Stormtrooper. John and Blank. That's oh, fair. I would say Cracking Beta, too. Okay, that I don't know. It's like, it's that main face. Okay. And it's got like a little bit of everything. So there's like finger locks, loose flary hand jams baggy hands i think a fist jam when you say baggy hands i'm actually I'm oh sorry for anybody listening baggy hands <laughs> just means that like an off hand jam. oh so okay. like it's not yeah. wide enough to be a fist jam yeah but it's but, not a secure hand jam, i see right so you like really gotta squeeze oh, yeah. dang yeah <laughs> those are rough <laughs> um yeah i should make a an established list and just kind of mm. pull that together so i'm like like kind of debating on what my first lead trad climb should be. My yeah. my climbing partner does have trad gear. Okay. Um, that's how we were able. To, we actually did climb a multi pitch trad uh, at Cape Clear. Um, oh, okay. Which but one? He, he led it. Um, Pillar of Hope. Okay, that's one of on my list. Yeah. Yeah, that's a. 
I, I would say it's a fantastic climb. The rock quality might be questionable in some spots. Okay. But, like, there's definitely plenty to pull on mm-hmm. and uh, great placements for gear. So, like, I, I, I just followed him and cleaned. Yeah. And just, like, kind of paying attention to the placements and stuff. But Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, like, in the early days of learning, it's the perfect symbi- symbiotic relationship because, like, the follower is learning and yes. then the person with the trad rack just gets to climb everything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good good partnership. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so one thing I usually ask people uh, is what's uh aspect of work-life balance that we haven't touched on, but you being the first guest, I'm pretty sure you're the first guest who has like an established family and kids and stuff. How do you factor that into your, your work-life balance and figure all that out? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, I literally just like, that's why I try to jam in all my um, physical activity, like into the, my work time as well. So that like by the time the end of my work day comes, I'm not, I'm physically satisfied with like what I've accomplished mm-hmm. and also I've, I've gotten work out of the way. So then I, I just go home and then I'm like full dad mode, like until everyone's in bed. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I just try to balance it as best I can in that way mm-hmm. and just like try to make it so that when I'm home, I'm not like itching to, I wish I would have got to the climbing gym today or maybe I can sneak in, sneak away for an hour. Yeah. Or maybe go to the gym after they're in bed. Like I'm not, I don't have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you how do you manage your weekends? Like, are you able to get outside on the weekends? Yeah. Or? So weekends, um, pretty much full dad mode as well. Like yeah. I said, my partner, um, she, she works like pretty much the nine to five each day, Saturday mm-hmm. and Sunday. So, I'll just like, hang with the kids and try to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Whatever they think is gonna be fun that day, take them to hop skip jump or, or like go for a hike, go for a drive. I used to love taking them out in the boat when it was boating season they they loved going in the boat so i just like launch the boat and drive around with the kids yeah take them to like the waterfront halifax waterfront and uh take them to the park buy a pretzel or something and just hop back <laughs> on the boat it was, it was really great have they expressed an interest in any of your hobbies uh so i mean fox is two so okay <laughs> he <laughs> he has seemed like he wants to climb like he hangs from things i've yeah. got these like parallel bars that i do some calisthenics on at home and uh that she or he um he like hangs from the bar he just like pick his feet up and be yeah. hanging and i'm like yeah keep that up <laughs> keep hanging buddy and uh my daughter piper um she's almost nine and i she does have climbing shoes and i have taken her to the gym and she certainly does enjoy like trying to give it a go mm-hmm. but she gets a little fearful like halfway up the wall yeah kind of thing. Well, especially when you're that tall yeah you know, when you're very think. small yeah and, yeah <laughs> so that tall. if i if i foster it more i think she would like maybe get into climbing but i'm kind of hoping that my son like will like pick it up asap kind yeah. of thing and then like, we'll all go together kind yeah of thing. yeah that'd be yeah. fun yeah. yeah but no pressure on him if he doesn't want to yeah <laughs> well we won't release this until he's eight so it sounds like you do manage to get outside with your kids which is pretty neat yeah um my last question is what uh what tends to suffer when you get too busy like what drops off is it nutrition mm. or sleep or your lunchtime yeah. climbs like when life gets hectic how do you manage that and yeah so i think the first thing that will drop off is like my mobility routine unfortunately because that's mm-hmm. probably one of the most important things but like it's hard to squeeze that in sometimes mm-hmm. um and like like sometimes i'll arrive at work and things have to be done immediately so i can't like fit it in in the fringes of my time and just get too busy yeah so that's probably the first thing that falls off and then uh after that 
I think that's the only thing that really suffers. <laughs> like, cause like if I'm that, that busy that I'm not doing that, it's just like work. Um, but I still take my 90 minutes at lunch. It doesn't matter how busy I am at work. I am entitled to my 90 minute lunch and I take advantage of that. Yeah. Like it could be a very hectic day when I'm like, I'm taking my 90 minute lunch. And I'm You're climbing. able to create that separation. Yeah. And, and I'm climbing. Yeah. <laughs> Here I go. <laughs> Do you ever yeah. have to like move it around in the day? Like Sometimes. Yeah. 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 That actually happened recently where I was like leaving. I was like going from one until two thirty, because like I was just working straight from eight thirty until one mm-hmm. thirty or one. Yeah. 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 Um, just back on the mobility, I like personally too, that's what I find and not necessarily drops off when life gets busy, but it's something I have a hard time committing to. Mm. And I think it's because it's not, it's not fun. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not directly (laughs) applied. Like even hangboarding, I would probably do more than stretching. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because you can see like direct results. Like, yeah, you you can feel it in your forearms too. You're like, ah, here we go. I'm I'm gaining something here. Yeah. But I think it was in February, I wrote down some goals for the year and they were all specific. Like I want to do this this year, this, I think I had six of them. The seventh one was literally just stretching. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't like twice a week. It was just do it like at least a little bit. And I've, yet to do it and it's october so well yeah <laughs> dang <laughs> maybe next year <laughs> yeah yeah my, my my mobility routine um has sort of come from like what i found on instagram i like use that as like a, ah. a resource for like finding things of that nature okay. um particularly this guy beard the best you can be he's he's all about kin stretch which is just like a label for like a certain time type of stretching it's like a way to sell it i guess okay um but like Kin stretch has these um, mobility routines called CARS, controlled articular rotations. So you can isolate a specific joint and like um, move it to its end range, like all the way around, like your hips or your elbows or whatever. Like move them to the end range and then back and forth through those end ranges. And it like apparently it's very good for joint health, like because okay. it cause or um, it enables more circulation and like replacement of of worn tissue. Like it just um, adds movement to those spaces Mm -hmm. so i've like i have adopted that routine every day like that's my that's what i call my mobility routine i do literally every joint in my body um and it takes about like anywhere between 15 to 25 minutes depending on how many reps you do for each joint yeah and uh yeah just i it's not fun to do (laughs) but i notice a difference like when i do it enough so that it's like i i should do this so that i can keep doing what i enjoy Mm -hmm. kind of thing it's interesting that you said you found that on Instagram. So I was thinking of Instagram as more of like, a, I guess, a time waster. Yeah. But, and I know there is useful stuff on there, but it sounds like you're really taking advantage of that. Is there anything else that you've taken from Instagram and the algorithm? Yeah. yeah. Particularly, like, you can, um, the more you know about how it works, the more you can use it to your advantage. Okay. So, like, Instagram is made to um, take your attention constantly and as much as possible like it wants you to pick up the phone and open instagram and just be sucked into this wormhole of like constant video and photo feed um but if you like are aware of that you're like okay i know what this is trying to do to me Mm -hmm. um you can like cater the the content to be um something that is like of learning yeah so like i will like try to like follow some spiritualist pages and then some like um like physical mobility routine type pages, yoga pages. Um, and then you kind of end up in these rabbit holes where you find things like beard, the best you can be who I mentioned. And mm-hmm. he's just like, he's just this bearded guy who used to be a bodybuilder and then he found kin stretch and now he can move his joints 
Like, his joints have the capacity to do things that you wouldn't think humans can do. Okay. Like, he can, like, stand on his ankles, like, Ooh. standing up on his ankles, <laughs> and he can, like, squat weights. Okay. And, like, it's just because he's, like, developed his ankles enough to be able to be in that position with that much strength. Yeah. I'm like, how do you do that? And then he literally has these, like, um, videos that tell you how to how do, do it. it. And okay. it's, like, it's not fun. It's not fun to do at all. <laughs> but but you can do it. Okay. <laughs> and do you still fall down these rabbit holes? Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not immune to it, obviously. But, like... But at least you're learning something now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And also, like... I also follow like car pages because <laughs> I love cars. I think cars are awesome. So like yeah. I'll end up down those rabbit holes too, where I'm like, wow, it's a sick car. And then you just flick to the next thing that's related to, it, and it's like, that's a sick car too. And it's like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, there's so many sick cars. <laughs> <Such. Yeah. laughs> but yeah, um, I try to like cater it to mm-hmm. learning. Yeah. Okay. Is uh, like are cars another hobby? Or it's just kind uh, of like I mean, kind of... in a way, when I grew up, I was super into Hot Wheels. Um, yeah. Like, the car, the toys that I was playing with mainly were Hot Wheels. I just had mm-hmm. this, like, line of cars. And I, like, in my head, I, like, had a personality for each car. Yeah. And, like, all this stuff. Like, I really really went into depth with it. And it's, it's like, kind of translated into real life. Like, I can pretty much name any car, mm-hmm. make and model that's on the road. Yeah. Because I've seen it before, and I just, like, know what it is. Um, and then, like, me and one of my buddies just send car pictures back and forth on instagram like okay. the sick cars that we found yeah, yeah. Day or whatever. <laughs> it's kind of a hobby in a way that i just like to look at them I yeah yeah they're cool <laughs> so it's not like uh it's not like you're working on cars it's not another time commitment. no no, no. Okay. um it's like a pretty low time commitment yeah thing okay okay well i guess you don't really have to balance it then the next <laughs> oh yeah how do i balance my yeah. car obsession <laughs> yeah cool okay so we're taking a quick break to announce our first Disclaimer. This next section of the podcast involves decisions that we do not condone. Climbing is dangerous and a large part of it is risk assessment. As a climber, it is up to you to have the proper tools and knowledge to mitigate these risks. We encourage you to educate yourselves from a trustworthy and reliable source and to practice any techniques in a safe environment before they are required on the wall. Um, Well, that's it for me, Graham. Uh, Like I said, we didn't really know each other beforehand, so it was cool to sit down and chat with you, but... Uh, is there anything we didn't touch on that you want to bring yeah, up? Or? I was going to mention uh, my my trip to Cape Clear. I was going to like go into a little bit more. Sure, yeah, I'd about love to that. hear about it. Yeah. Um, how much time are we at? I was just wondering. Uh, we're at about forty nine. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, every year, uh, not every year, but like since I started climbing outside, we've kind of me and my climbing partner, his name's Henry. Um, we've made it a a tradition to go to Cape Clear on my birthday. Okay. And uh, Cape Clear is absolutely amazing have you been there i've been there a couple times yeah i haven't been yet this season well i probably won't make it this season but yeah yeah yeah. pretty much at the end um but yeah it's like to me it's like the most epic climbing that you can do in nova scotia like the multi-pitch options and like the exposure and length of the routes is like it's unprecedented in in this province Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's why i'm obsessed with the place and uh when we went the the first year we looked for this route called are you experienced it's on the wave wall okay. and it's um it's right next to feel the love which is the the one that goes all the way up the wall and it's like bolted the whole way um and we've been trying to find our experience for two years and we haven't found it okay <laughs> like so you have to it's a it's a two pitch route in the middle of the wave wall and you have to wrap from the top down to uh. some rings and then you have to wrap down to uh, a three ring belay station like in the middle of the wave wall and then you literally climb 
from there back up. Yeah. You can't wrap any further because you're like at the top of this massive roof. Okay. And I think you might be more than 30 meters off the ground at that yeah. point. So like you couldn't wrap off a 60 meter rope. Um, but the route is only like, it's uh, five nine for the first pitch and five eight for the second or vice versa. I can't remember which one it actually is, but so it shouldn't be like too hard where you'd get stuck on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but another interesting thing about this route is it's 55 meters long in total, like both pitches. Um, and it only has 13 bolts. Okay. <laughs> Sounds a little... So like the first pitch, which is like 30 meters has seven bolts. You're like 30 meters, seven bolts. How much run out are you getting with that? Yeah, right? that's like four meters. Yeah, like, that's insane. <laughs> How far are you climbing up a bolt before you get to the next one? Anyways, it's like the book explains it as like a super freaky climb. And yeah. it just sounds fun, right? Like, okay. And it sounds like a way to push your limits, but like more like your fear limits than your actual physical limits. Yeah, like your mental like your, your limits. Mental, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I really put myself in this position? Yeah. Anyway, so um, like year one at Cape Clear, um, last year when we went, couldn't find it we like ended up wrapping off some trees like looking for bolts couldn't find anything yeah like, okay whatever and then this year when we went we're like we have to find this route like we just we can't leave without doing it so on the the first day we made it our like a point to try and find our experience so we like went to different places on the wave wall where, like to try and find where you would wrap down and we found these rings at the top and for some reason i thought there was rings at the top of our experience but there isn't it's just a tree uh, okay. It's a tree anchor for the top. You're supposed to wrap off the tree and follow the line bolts down to the two ring anchor, and then repel again. Yeah. So um, I uh, I was super confident that this was the top of our experience. <laughs> so I was like, I'm gonna wrap down and uh, look for the two ring anchor, and then you'll come follow me. And we'll, we'll go down and do it like as it should be. So I'm wrapping down off these rings at the top of the wave wall, and I'm just like seeing bolt after bolt after bolt. I'm like, how many bolts have I gone by? Because I know there's only like five bolts for the top pitch of this climb. Yeah. And I've definitely gone past more than that. So then I'm like going down and then I see the end of my rope. Um, and I'm like, I'm in the middle of the wave wall and I'm not on any particular route and I'm, and I'm set up in a rappel like system. So like climbing back up is not really an option. Like, mm-hmm. I, or at least I don't know the way to like switch my gear to make it like climbable unless I like clipped into a bolt or something. Yeah. Um, so then I'm kind of like, wait, now I have to get back up. And I, and I like kind of started panicking a little bit. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't get up and there's nothing I can clip into. And my partner at the top can't hear me cause I'm so far down the wall. Okay. I'm yelling as loud as I can and he can't hear me. I'm like, yeah. Shit. So then I'm trying to like, I'm using an ATC and a Prusik and I'm trying to like get myself up the rope and I'm gaining like centimeters Yeah. and just like, this is going to take me hours to get back up. So then I'm like looking around the wall and I can kind of see there's like bolts over here. I don't know what they're for. And I don't really feel like clipping into a bolt and then untying myself. Yeah. Cause yeah, like fair. if the bolt <laughs> is like not, if it's old or whatever, like who knows? Yeah. I don't want to trust a bolt. So then I'm looking up and I see this ledge and I'm like, I could probably sit on that ledge and that would maybe be secure enough to like switch into a top rope scenario where my partner could belay me. Mm-hmm. But again, the problem is he can't hear me. So I end up starting to climb freely, essentially. Like, I'm not pulling the rope through my ATC anymore. Okay. I just, like, climb freely, and I'm getting a bunch of slack behind me. Yeah. And uh, if I fall, like, the ATC and Prusik are going to have to catch me, and I don't know how much I can trust that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I get up to this ledge, and I have to climb this tree on the ledge, and I get up above the tree, and uh, my rope behind me is, like, knotted around this tree below yeah. me. And uh, also there's a tree happens to be like in front of me on the wall as well. So like my rope is around that too. And I'm just like, I'm in a complete mess. 
And uh, I look up and I, I can actually see my climbing partner finally. I'm like, hey. He's like, man, what's going on down there? And I'm like, dude, um, I've made it to this ledge, but my rope is like, it's around everything. And uh, I need to, we need to take it off and, and like manage this rope. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can't take off your gear. You're on the wall. Like, no. And I was like, man, it's okay. I'm like, I'm on a ledge. There's a tree on this ledge. It's a very secure tree. Like I can just, if I keep my arm wrapped around this tree, like, I'm going to be fine. Um, so I untie everything, take it all off. So like I'm completely free on the wall and then he like pulls the rope through and i'm like flipping it off the tree and stuff and like getting it all managed and it takes like it feels like it takes forever for this to happen maybe it took like 10 minutes yeah but like finally i get an end of the rope and i tie in and uh he's like set up on a grigri up at the rings and then i just like hop out around the corner and then i'm on the face and then i climb whatever part of the wave wall that i'm on yeah and like get myself out of it (laughs) <laughs> sounds like a predicament <laughs> yeah it was a bit of a mess and uh like i don't know if i should be maybe a little bit embarrassed that i put myself into that scenario but like it's just like yeah for a moment i was like how do we climb or how do we call search and rescue because there's no mm. thumb signal right now. yeah and like i don't want to have this big endeavor either because like, i can i think i can take care of this myself yeah that's that's what i went into how did you manage to we we're just talking about like uh physical strength versus emotional strength how do you manage your emotions in that scenario yeah so i um i have also found something called breath work pranayama mm-hmm. things of that nature my partner her name is Brittany, by the way um she has a podcast called just listen and yoga oh, cool. and uh she is also a breathwork teacher and a yoga teacher and an osteopath she's like got all these amazing things going on and uh, through her i've learned um uh breath work and like I've learned to, um, I don't know, grasp my fear more intently with breath work. So mm-hmm. like if I end up in a scenario where I'm like, okay, this is panic mode, and like it's it's gonna be troublesome, I just like go into the, uh, like a breathing pattern, five okay. in, five out, or like into the belly and the chest and out. Yeah. And then I just like I'll manage my emotions with that because you you can't do anything but breathe when you're like thinking about breathing, right? <laughs> like mm. you just, that's just all that it is, and like you can pretty much grasp any emotion with it okay yeah interesting and so that seems to be your your go-to way to manage things have you done anything else since to mitigate the potential of uh, a a possible epic in the future um like what else did you learn from this scenario yeah uh what i (laughs) that's a that's a good question what did i learn from the scenario it's to um not get overconfident like when i when i'm repelling like Mm. like putting myself in that position like if I know that I'm not going to wrap to the bottom of something, I should probably either like be tied in such that my partner is lowering me mm-hmm. so that I can easily climb out instead of just like being on my own solo repel system. Yeah. Or like take the gear to ascend the rope. <laughs> yeah. 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 That would have been the other smart thing to do. Yeah. There are techniques as somebody who's not a guide. I, oh, especially like we don't have any climbing gear, so we can't, can't explain, but, uh, if you YouTube it, I think you could probably figure it out. Yeah, I know yeah. that if you have two Prusix, you can ascend a rope easily with that. Two yeah. Prusix and a sling and a locker should do it. Or two lockers, sorry. but Yeah. Because you can, like, one Prusik for the hand and then the other Prusik for the other hand and then have a sling that goes down for your foot. Yeah. So then, like, you're just doing one movement at a time. Yeah, I know. Well, I just said I wasn't going to explain it because I'm not a guide. But <laughs> <laughs> Without having it in my hands... I- I think what you want to do is, and okay, this is not professional advice for anybody listening. <laughs> um, but if you clip your, 
like when you're belaying from above, there's the, the loop in the ATC that you clip to your anchor. If you clip that to your belay loop, yeah, then it'll it'll capture your progress. And again, I don't know if I'm describing it accurately because I'm trying to picture it without the. the I don't in have front an ATC guide. Oh, I, I just have an ATC. Would recommend getting one. <laughs> yeah, I literally just have like the simplest ATC. Yeah, so I think those are a uh, not a heist, but such a like money grab by the companies because huh, they sell them to people who may not know better. Yeah. Then they get into multi pitch and they're like, oh shit, I need like an ATC guide. So then they're basically buying two ATCs. That's dang. just my personal opinion. No, well that that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dang. Shouldn't I wish I would have known that. <laughs> but yeah, so like with an ATC guide there's an extra hoop, right? That you can Yeah, so you can belay from above. Yeah. And then you can also clip it to your belay loop huh. and it captures progress. So how does it how does it capture your progress when you clip it to your belay loop? Uh I think it shifts the angle. Oh okay. Of it. Yeah. So, that oh, is trying to picture this. very useful. No, no, no. Now that you say that, like the angle of it, that makes sense because the brake line, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Huh. Oh, dang. <laughs> well, now you know. Now, or at least now, you know now I need to buy it. an ATC yeah. guide. <laughs> Jeez. She gets sponsored by Black Diamond. Just yeah. sell, selling ATC guides yeah. left and right. Well, you definitely sold me. <laughs> so um, if that's it, I think uh, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks for uh, taking the time, Graham. And yeah. Thank hopefully you. Hopefully, I'll see you on climbing sometime. Thanks for listening again. We've put some thought into Graham's question about recommended track climbs, and here they are. If you're looking for a project or something hard, we'd recommend Cracking Beta or Stormtrooper. If you're looking for a fun day out to practice track climbing, then anything at the keyhole wall at Columbus will be great. And if you're looking for something a little more face climbing, then go check out Black Diamond at First Face. Next week, we sit down with Jackie Turner, owner of East Peak Climbing Gym. Listen into our conversation to hear how she turned her passion into her career, the struggles of starting and running your own business, and what other outdoor hobbies she's recently picked up. Hope your week's off to a good start, and we'll see you next Monday.